Real Whiskey Real presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Time to play. Welcome back to Judgment Day. As you guys know, on this podcast, I invite one of my coolest friends. I don't know how lovely he is. To inform them that today is, in fact, the end of times. Today, he has shuffled off this mortal coil, and it's up to me to decide whether or not he's going to ascend to paradise or burn forever in a lake of fire. What no one knew was that God is actually a total cinephile, and I have been chosen to ask a series of 12 questions about the movies that meant the most to them. Their taste in film will be the ultimate test determining their eternal fate. You guys, this is a really fun, special episode for me. I've got an old friend, a colleague, a boss, um, <laughs> a brother, uh, Mr. Dave Woodruff. He's a, a father and a husband and a statesman <laughs> and a, a mentor. <laughs> he was the best bartender in Durango for years, even while he never made a drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's uh, that's conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> you know how those, those things work, I guess. David, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, Bobby. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to going through and, and making, uh, making it past the, uh, the eternal pit of fire. Well, <laughs> I already know the answer, I think. But. <laughs> uh, yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. Um, are you a religious guy? Did you grow up with religion? I grew up with religion, yes. I mean, okay. my, you know, we went to church every Sunday, Sunday yeah. school, church camp, you know, you name it. it you know, Midwest, you know, it's right. you either get in trouble or go to church or both, you know, we yeah. did a little bit of both. And you're a Kansas guy. Kansas, and I was born and raised in Missouri, but then went to Kansas for high school and college. Oh, okay. Yeah. How was that? It's a great place to be from. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I feel like I was able to really get my blue collar roots from, oh, yeah. from being, you know, um, from the Midwest. You know, I'm very down to earth. Um, not afraid to get my hands dirty, um, oh, yeah. and I think that comes from a lot of that upbringing. And I mean, I grew up in a single wide trailer um, for for a few years when uh, with my mom and aunt, you know, in Rolla, Missouri. So, um, so yeah, um, it's again, it's a great place to be from. Sure, um, but I'm very happy to call Durango and Colorado home. Uh, well, we're we're happy too, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. You and I have worked together a few shifts, and. Uh, you got mm-hmm. some work ethic. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Yeah. It's, it's a testament to you know getting out and getting after it. You know, from right. you know growing up in an agrarian community. You know, you're yeah. up up before the sun and doing all your chores and getting on your way. So right, absolutely. Did you grow up with siblings? I had um, so from my mom and dad's marriage. No, I don't have any full blooded siblings, but I do have a, a half brother and a half sister. Oh, okay, for all intents and purposes, they are my brother and sister. Um, but yeah, they're eleven and thirteen years younger. Oh, okay, um, but still very much uh, a part of my life. And my sister's in Kansas City, uh, and my little brother's in Wichita, Kansas. So you kind of grew up an only child in a sense. I mean, yeah, it explains a lot, really. Uh, yeah, it checks out. No, I, you know, I was. 12 years 11 years younger than my siblings okay and so yeah i was kind of essentially an only child for the first few years because you know they were teenage kids they didn't want a fucking thing to do with me sure you know they were just off doing their own that dude's still shitting his pants yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well i was 15 (laughs) i was it was three days ago let's move on (laughs) sometimes you gamble and lose (laughs) Especially at my age. Sometimes you stub the wrong toe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so you probably didn't get to have that experience of like watching movies with those kids or like growing up with film. I yeah, I mean we watched The Little yeah. Mermaid, Milo and Otis. Who I got mean, you into movies? Was it like your mom, your dad? Well, some neither of my parents were much into movies, and we were poor enough that we didn't really go. You know, went out early sure. on as a kid, but 
going growing up and visiting my dad's in Kansas for the summers, that was part of what we did as kids: is go to the water park and yep. and go watch movies. That's where the AC was. Yeah, um, <laughs> I still get cold in the in the flipping movie theater I do too. Um, but uh, but yeah, we I mean all the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, Terminator. Um, I can't I can't remember that one where he you know. Kindergarten Cop. I mean, oh, yeah. all of those were were on the front of right. me kind of reaching that first level of adolescence and and really remembering movies yeah. and having that tangible thing of you go to the movie theater and you have candy and you have soda and there's no other time in your life where you get those two things at the same time other than in the theater. So Absolutely. you have this like mental um, pairing of movies and equated to like this is awesome. Like, this is amazing. It could have yeah. been a shit movie, but yeah. you're having such a good time because... You your treats. Dude. Your dopamine is just firing. Through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, what brought you to Durango? Delusions of grandeur, mostly. Oh, okay. um, so... Um, what was the plan? <laughs> you tell me, Bobby, and we'll both know. Um, no, I... Um, it's, it's kind of a, a, a funny story. So... I knew as soon as I graduated from college that I was going to move to Colorado. I told all my friends in college, yep. I was like, I'm moving to Colorado. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I graduated from Kansas State in December of 2001. Um, yeah, I'm reaching reaching up there in age. Um, so, um, so graduated college, and within two weeks, I packed up all my crap in my Ford Taurus and, and drove to Vail. Um, I was fortunate enough, my cousin, Brian Skiles, yep. he already set up roots down there in Vail. And so he already had an established network of people. So um, I was able to kind of walk into a job where I was bartending at the uh, Sundance Saloon, one of the, nice. you know, at the time, one yep. of the last ski bum bars in all of Vail. Um, and then was cooking uh, as a prep cook up on Eagle's Nest, up on the, on the top of um, Lion's Head. So right. anyways... Um, started there, um, decided I should probably get a real job. Um, so I moved to Fort Collins, uh, was a mortgage broker and foreclosure analyst. Um, I have a hard time picturing that. Oh dude, it was, I worked with great people. They were good friends. Um, but man, it it was, that is not the lifestyle for me. Um, and so I realized that after two years and I'm not a cold caller, I, I don't, Right. Again, we talk about like things that I'm good at. Cold calling is not something that I'm good at. Sure. Um, and so I finally, I was like, guys, I, this is not what I do. This is not, this is not something I'm good at. And it's not something I particularly enjoy. Um, and I thought about it and I was like, I didn't move to Colorado to not even live in the mountains. You're fighting all the other weekend warriors trying right. to get up to the mountains. Um, and I'm sitting in a cubicle and I don't even have an office. Like I like could, a window in my office. I'm just like sitting in a cubicle, just staring at a computer screen. I'm like, oh, I could flip and do this anywhere. Yeah. So, um, I decided on a Tuesday I was going to move and I was here in Durango that Friday. Oh, wow. Like total seat of my pants. Yeah. I thought, you know, this is going to be another two year blip on my Colorado, you know, journey. Um, and so again, my cousin Brian, but before Brian came, his sister Emily, yeah. um, and I, I, I consider them my, my brother and sister. I mean, we were really close yeah. growing up in Missouri, but great um, people, amazing people. I mean, truly yeah. some of the best. Um, and so she set up roots here first. Brian came, got his degree, and then I came to visit them while they were going to college and had a great time while I was here. So, anyways, I moved here January of 2005. Again, thinking that this is going to be like a temporary respite sure. until I figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Um, and then I just got a job at the old schoolhouse. I was bartending and swimming right. pizza. Uh, my first job, Terry and Stacy will always hold a special and dear place in my heart because sure. they didn't know me from Adam and they gave me a job. Yeah. Um, then I was cooking dino nuggets at the Bears Den, which is all the oh, yeah. ski school kids. <laughs> so um, my hospitality career started um, very early on when I first moved to town. Within 24 hours, I had two jobs. Um, Jeez. So, dude, it was crazy. Like, yeah. seriously, you know, people knew my family, and then they're like, oh, if you're family with these two, then, yeah, well, you're you're hired. So right. I was very lucky in that regard. I had a community established before I even moved down here. How did peak happen? So I started at Steamworks as a bouncer and a busser in February of 06. Right. Um, so about a year after I, I moved here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started as a bouncer and a busser, and over the course of, like, seven, eight years, I became assistant GM. 
Um, and then January of 2013, they're like, hey, we're going to start up a new unit. Would you like to be GM of it? And I was like, absolutely. I, that, fuck yeah, let's do this. Um, and so they decided that they were going to, and at that time, we had no idea what we were going to call it, much less the the concept and the model that we were going to emulate you know we we knew that we needed to find a niche and be able to um nail it um and and i feel like with that team we were able to do exactly that and so i was gm of el moro from its inception right Um, i tell people that was my mistress and my first child um, (laughs) because i was i spent 18 hours a day there for a while trying to get that give that thing legs to get it off the ground um and Truly, I mean, it's become one of the best restaurants in the region, in my opinion. Um, and we have, you know, a great team, you know, that's that's existing there now and really taking what we had started all those years ago and building it and scaling it. So it's going to have a lot of legs in the long term. It's so. become a landmark place. Here I, in yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%. spirits, cocktails, food. I mean, it's the total package atmosphere. Right. I mean. I don't think you can talk about where you should go eat in Durango and not mention El Moro in that sentence. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's developing a legacy, which yeah. is really cool. Absolutely. And it's know, cool to which see. Which you're a big part of. Totally. And and it's good to see people still, you know, holding on to that legacy and, and running with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and you gave some bright-eyed youth the chat, a chance to get behind the station. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Sling a few drinks there. It was. I, I've always appreciated that. Well, it was, I don't give anything that's not deserved, so... Well, I'll tell you this, buddy. Uh, you are moving into a whole different world, and this is part of the reason I wanted to have you on. Uh, sure. Um, this is a big step for you. It really is. I'm I'm super nervous, but I'm excited about the opportunity. You know, yeah. I'm running for city council in the 2023 general uh, election. There's two positions available, five people running. Um, I think all of us are highly confident in our electability, but I've got to see this thing to get it across the finish line. You know, yeah. knocking on doors. I know my network of people. I know they're going to vote for me, but that doesn't mean that no. I'm going to be elected. You know, I need yeah. to make sure that people recognize me and put a face to a name and know what is important to me and what I stand for and how do we establish, you know, something that's, we talk about legacy, you know, legacy is many things. And I feel like in this regard, what do we want the legacy for Durango to be in the next 10, 20, 30 years? Right. What, what do we implement now? To, to see it bear fruit over the next decades to, right. to really be like, man, we really did something impactful and it, it benefited the community in the region. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, one thing I definitely wanted to touch on with you before we get started was you became kind of the most visible figure for um, hospitality during COVID, during sure. the lockdowns, all that you were, you know, you, your work with the CRA and um, your work with the governor's governor's office and all of that. I mean, you kind of became the face sure. in a, in a in, in a good way and kind of a negative way of the lockdown. Sure, you know what I mean. Sure, because a lot of there was a, I know there was a lot of business owners pushing back that were like, oh well, fucking Dave Woodruff doesn't want us to open our doors or whatever. I mean, I and I don't. You and I have talked enough, and I followed it closely enough to know that that's not the case. Sure. Um, is that a hurdle for you? Do you think you're going to have to deal with? or? Um, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, what happened over time and people realized is that I was doing it. I was being an advocate for our community. You know, I feel like with 100% our, the vibrancy and the, how dynamic our restaurant scene is, we lose even one. It really really does everybody a disservice in our town I, I feel like the in the 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 tapestry of our of our community the the fabric is restaurants in this community i mean 100%. we have such a such a really good food and drink scene here and i felt like if if we didn't advocate then i was really i thought there was a very real opportunity or a very real chance that we could lose a third or even a half of our restaurants and man you think of Durango, you think of many things, outdoor recreation, right. you think of the mountains, you also think of a really good food scene. And so, For, you know, from my perspective, I thought the attrition that happened was a lot less than it probably could oh, have been absolutely. over a course of a couple of years, you know, not being able to generate the revenue you're used to that you're operating with, sure. you know, for like, and we saw it with like a place like the palace, you know, they've been operating under that revenue model for, I don't know, 
decades. Sure. <laughs> and when you find that the train doesn't run, that's then, next door to them. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. you're literally talking, you know, uh, somebody literally turned off the water faucet in terms of revenue. For 100%. Them, you know, yeah. they relied a lot on that train running day to day, multiple times a day that to kind of keep those butts in seats. And um, I just, I think we saw a lot less loss though than, than one could have anticipated. Sure. And, and that's what I, my main effort in all of it was to give people timely and accurate information so that way whatever decision that they were going to make if they're going to close the doors or if they were going to you know stay open or whatever they were going to do they were going to make the best decision for not only the business but for their employees and their family based upon that information so whether it was ppp loan information or what the repayment was if you did if you did the ppp loan wrong or what idle funds were available whatever the case may be I want to make sure that I put that out there so that everybody knew exactly, okay, this is what's coming down the pipe. As you know, early on in the pandemic, man, the information changed by the hour, you know? Oh, yeah. Hell, we thought that if you breathe, it was going to settle on surfaces and you're going to snort covid on on the stainless steel you know worktops and so yeah right that's right so i mean I we, we didn't know what we didn't know so we were just t- kind of taking it um you know the best information at the time but i really feel like what i was really striving for is that you know when when you said that people didn't want businesses to open up what I wanted to do is give people the legal option to do so. Exactly. You know, that was my biggest advocation point was, you know, poor people like CJ's Jerry over there. Jerry, yeah. His back was against the wall. And I don't fault him for making the decision no. that he made. No. I may not necessarily agree with it, but man, when you have all of your servers and cooks looking at you, like, what do we do? How yeah. am I gonna pay my rent? How am I gonna feed my kids? And I don't fault you for making the decision that you made. So he made his decision um, and ended up going through the courts. It was going to be a big black yeah. eye for the government if they kept pursuing charges after the pandemic ended. Right. You know, right. so so I guess for me it was more of like, okay, this is where we're at. Let's have these hard conversations. Let's find a way to meet in the middle so we can balance both public health and economic health. There's a way to find balance in both. We don't have to have this adversarial dichotomy of like either this or this. Like you only care about business profitability or you only care about public health. Well, that's a again we get back to what false choices are yeah exactly you know that's that's not a choice at all it's not mm-hmm. you know we we can have both we don't have to speak in only in absolutes sure um and so i guess that was one of my biggest pushes is you know having those meetings with samuel based public health having you know being on the advisory panel of the governor's office of how this is how i advise we reopen restaurants the first time this is what that's how the the genesis of the five star program came out of for right. what Mesa County did up in Grand Junction, you know, and implementing that. I was on a five person team to roll out the five star program that allowed business to operate even in level red, which was a full shutdown. Yeah. Um, even if it was only 25 percent capacity, it was better than nothing. So absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that's where. I really wanted to ensure, you know, I've, I've worked hard over the last eight years, especially with the Restaurant Association as being a voice and a microphone for what is important for us down here. Because often we get overlooked. We're three and a half hours from the nearest Oh, interstate, yeah, from the front you know? range. Yeah. We're six hours, seven hours from the front range, you know. Yeah. And so we often get, the, I would say, largely rural Colorado often gets overlooked. Sure. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that our voice was, was heard on the regional and statewide level to ensure that they weren't just going to put some one blanket fits all you know yeah, approach exactly. to to um, this because we have very different needs um, and wants in comparison to what the cities have. Right. Well, you're going to find as you go into politics that nuance is not a big thing. I don't. I, I, <laughs> sure. Everything sort of seems to come down to a binary choice, which I think is really kind of sad. Yeah, you know, yeah. Much like this podcast, <laughs> I have a binary choice. <laughs> I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to send you up, or I'm going to. By the way, I'm an atheist. This is such okay. a. I have no idea why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Dave Woodruff, what is the first film that you remember seeing in theaters? Um, it was Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. 
Um, Ooh, nice. So okay. I saw that in theaters. Was that 83? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember watching that with my mom. Because, um, I mean, that was, you know, the last, what we all thought was the last one in, in that uh, trifecta. And so I remember going to um, see that as a kid and not really understand. I, I just remember seeing the Ewoks and, and thinking those were, were pretty cool. But um, now having watched it dozens of times, yeah. you know, since then. So you hadn't seen, yeah, so you hadn't seen Star Wars no. or Empire? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, because. Just going in cold. Yeah, yeah, going in, yeah, super cold. But it was, I mean. But you were a little kid. It was like shining lights. Dude, it was like explosions and walks. big big pictures. Yeah. And like it was a massive movie theater. You know, I mean, when I was growing up, we had a black and white TV that you turned on the TV. Like it was like five channels. Oh, yeah. And you went did the uh-huh. physical click. I remember watching Mr. Ed on oh, yeah. Nick at Me Night, too. you know. <laughs> so I didn't um, get Nick at Night till I was like in like probably a freshman in high school. Oh, dang. I grew up without cable. Yeah, oh man. So, yeah. yeah. I was in the era of like, we would go to a video store, which was usually a trailer on the side of a highway somewhere. <laughs> and not only did you rent your movies, you had to rent the VCR. Oh, dang. Which was like the size of a suitcase. like, And it was like in a case, like a suitcase. Wow. And you'd rent your three or four movies. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you'd go and figure out the VCR, plug it oh, in, like gosh. the top loading, sure. gears yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of times people would only have um, a rewinder. Mm-hmm. So they'd keep a rewinder next to the TV. Please so be kind. Pop, rewind. Yeah. So you could pop that in, rewind your video, and then start your next movie. So you didn't have to, because re- it took forever to oh, rewind yeah. on a VCR. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember any oh, yeah. of that. but I, Well, I'm older than you. I mean, I saw the first Star Wars in the theater. Oh, dang. Yeah, I was like four years old. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I've seen every single Star Wars movie in theater. Yeah. Put a feather in your cap, my friend. That's great. Is there a level of sadness? (laughs) (laughs) No. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, that's actually really good. Um, No, that's a great answer. um, And then I remember at home, I remember I was at my stepdad's mom and dad, and I remember just laying on the floor doing this, and we were watching Ghostbusters, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, and it was that library scene where that, that oh. librarian all of a sudden goes, rah! Oh, them. Dude, I, I probably shit and pissed my pants at the same time because I was it sitting was like five feet from the TV watching it. Um, and God, I remember I, I had to like leave the room and like peek around the, dude, the recliner. That special effect holds up. Oh, today. yeah. It still looks scary as hell when yeah. she turns into a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... Ah, it's such a great movie. Yeah. 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 We've talked about that movie a couple of times on the podcast, and it's funny how people saw that movie. Oh, sure. You know, and I mean, I mean, that was one I saw in the theater, you know, as a really little kid, with mm-hmm. like my mom and my aunt and totally you know, all that, all the cousins. You look at now, I mean, what a star studded cast. I mean, amazing. Dude, Rick Moranis, I mean, the. Forget what he, the key master. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was he the key master or the gatekeeper? The gatekeeper. Was, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was um, so funny in that movie. Yeah, and then the Sigourney. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. How do you yeah. forget Sigourney Weaver? Obviously, the big three, and then the big three. Uh, Ernie Hudson, who's mm-hmm. just a legend now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that was yeah. So both of those I remember nice. in theater and at home. Did you see the remake? Not the remake. I guess it's a sequel. The Paul Rudd. Ghostbusters thing. Oh, uh-uh. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yet. Yeah? It's actually pretty good. All right. I watched yeah. the... What, what's, Lots of nostalgia. Which one was the all-female... Um, oh, that thing. <laughs> that um, thing. I forget which... God, it had such an amazing cast, too. Yeah. But Chris was, Hemsworth. Yeah. And um, uh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Um, the other... Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, from SNL. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Leslie Jones. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you get that many funny people in a room and come up with nothing. Because <laughs> 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 those are some incredibly funny human beings. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, Dave. Question the second. What movie scared you the most? Do you like scary movies? Are you a horror guy? I am not. I, I get scared really easily. Oh, okay. um, I... I almost like it when it's gory because I know it's there. But the anticipatory yeah. movies where the music all of a sudden you'll 
it'll be oh. quiet and then you'll see something behind somebody like move across and it goes Eek! yeah uh, dude that scares the ever-living shit no, out of me i get okay. goosebumps right so anything supernatural but i remember watching the ring when it first oh, came okay. out um and i actually rode so i was in seattle i was working on a commercial fishing boat when it when it came out um and i actually rode the ferry that the horse jumped off of because no um, it was all based in um i think is around that area so it was and to watch it and then was that like the mercer island no i don't know i don't dude tw- 2000 2002 is like Seventeen thousand years ago. In, oh, and in, I was in Seattle know? like ten years before that. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to say yes, um, but I remember watching it that in the theaters by myself, and then I had to go live in the in the fishing boat um, no. on on Washington um, Lake Washington, which is just outside of the Puget Sound, and. It's not even like I'm sleeping on the boat, like in the captain's quarters or on the deck or whatever. I'm sleeping down in the engine room, into the folks hole, dark corners everywhere. And I remember not sleeping at all that night because that fucking hair. Yeah. I, you look everywhere and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. You know. Well, you, and you say, like, the, the jump stare kind of stuff gets to that the closet scene when they find the group oh. is one of the greatest jump scares in movie history. Yeah. Like that made me come out of my seat. That scared the <laughs> piss out of me. And then obviously, yeah, when she crawls out of the well oh, with the hair thing and all God. that. God, and she crawls all weird I and know, comes out. Like, yeah, that was, I was nope. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a scary ass movie. Yeah. That's a great answer. You're doing so well. <laughs> Nailed it. Question the third. Dave Woodruff, what so-called bad movie do you absolutely love? It's not a critical darling, but you think it's brilliant anyways. So for me, um, and I wouldn't say it's 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 not even a so-called bad movie, but it's certainly not great, but The Three Amigos. <laughs> oh, you know? Actually, that was not received all that well when it first came out. Oh, okay. It, that became a cult hit. Oh, for sure. After like a fact. VHS hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I remember watching it with my dad on HBO, um, and I have it on DVD to this day. Like my, I actually just watched it with my kids about three months ago. Oh, dude, it's so great! I, I still sing the song. I know. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. So, um, I but I I that has so much nostalgia and oh. things like you know Ned Niederlander yep. and when Martin. It was Short, a male plane. It was a male. Just see the little balls. <laughs> the little balls. <laughs> How could you tell? And then Chevy Chase still doesn't get it. He's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopa will. Look up here. Uh, Anyways, I oh can yeah. go all day. Look up here. Yeah, yeah. Look up here. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing yeah. movie. And I think I think people didn't understand what they were trying to do with it, maybe. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it was, I think it critically did okay, but like it didn't do great. It wasn't like a blockbuster hit. No, but once no. yeah, once it got on video and everything, I think it oh, just totally. took I mean, off. Neil Hartman was in the first part of that movie. Oh that and you know, I mean, there's yeah. so many again the big three. You know, mm-hmm. you got you know um, Chevy Chase, um, Steve Martin. Um, I mean, I mean, they're all lucky day. day, Yes. (laughs) Real bullets. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've got one liners. It took me probably 20 years to finally get the joke when El Wapo gets a sweater for his birthday. And he's like, it's a sweater. He's in the desert. He doesn't need a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) It took me like until like 10 years ago to be like. Oh, yeah. that was meant to be a joke. Then, then doesn't he like wear it over his shoulders? Yeah. Like, wrap around his neck? Yeah. Oh, so funny. Dude. <laughs> El Wombo was a great character. Yeah. Oh, man. What'd my you say my aunt finally, guy? like years later, told me, like, you know, Wapo means handsome, right? And I was like, oh, that was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great movie. Oh, man. It's, it's to me, like, that is one of the tried and trues. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Three Amigos. Yeah. Question the fourth. Uh, we were discussing this one a little bit before. Uh, what movie character do you best identify with? And I'm still trying to draw. I'm kind of drawing because we had this conversation where we're like, I might think something, but then you're like, actually, <laughs> kind of from the outside looking in. This is. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you mine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you were kind of struggling with this question, and I was trying to think of like who's the most like 
capable person, which you're a very capable guy. I, I've worked with you like three years or so, not that long, but you were always very capable. And uh, but someone that can be somewhat um, headstrong. <laughs> ah, that's a very very great way of putting it. <laughs> and I actually have a story that totally leads into this. But um, I was thinking about Al Pacino's character Ricky in Glengarry Glen Ross because <laughs> he's the best salesman. He's the hot shot. He's the guy in the office that gets all the big sales. But there's a scene in that movie when Kevin Spacey screws up one of his sales and he just flips on him. <laughs> <laughs> but very quietly and very calmly and just tells him exactly what he thinks. It's such a great scene. So yeah, I don't know. No, I, I. But you brought up one I thought was really good. I man, what what was it? The monster, the monster Z. Oh yeah, Mike Wazowski. <laughs> hey Wazowski. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of times where you know, especially in my professional career, that you know you kind of get overlooked and overshadowed sure. uh, by folks, and so. Um, but yeah, I mean, fully capable. He's more than capable of being a good monster. Sure, but. There's always he's always surrounded by a cast of people that are kind of overshadowing his abilities. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, uh, there's probably more. I, I could give that one some more thought. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yep. Question the fifth, Dave. What movie makes you cry every time you watch it? So this one. The low hanging fruit is my girl, you know, but I'm not going to go there, you know. Yeah, Um, that was that's always a tough one, but for me, it's I love Morgan Freeman's character in Shawshank, you know, okay, when he gets out of jail and he's got that naive. Like I don't know what I'm doing outside yeah. of the, the the walls of of prison, like when he is free, like just to see, like he plays that character so incredibly well um and man just the 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 look of he's almost bewildered bewildered is a great word fearful yeah of being out in the world totally kind of strange yeah Yeah. it's it's a completely foreign environment that he's not accustomed to um Another one I was just thinking of, I bought this on DVD and I used to watch it all the time, The Pianist. Oh my God. When Adrian Brody goes through, I mean, I don't know if I'm a fan of Adrian Brody in general, but his ability in that film, I think, I mean, it blew my socks off. His ability to show the struggle and the the brevity of World War II and, and... that and his character and what then based on a true story about what he went through but then to go through all of it and then the ending when he gets to be you know the the um orchestrator or the conductor of an orchestra oh my gosh oh yeah well and that movie's a it's a cry cheat code yeah, up down, up down, X Y Z. Yeah, because his character, you know, during the Holocaust, the way they intersperse the music in with the scenes mm. evokes. I mean, you. I don't know if you can watch that movie without crying. Yeah. I think it's almost like a biological imperative that happens when you watch it because the totally. music hits you and the consequences of like is, there's consequences. Yeah, the yeah. movie has weight to it. You oh, know what I mean? absolutely! And yeah, it's that's a really good answer. Yeah. That's a great movie. It's it's never come up on this podcast before. Oh, really? Which I'm actually oh, kind of surprised nice. About. Yeah. Um, um, in fact, I don't even know if we've talked about Shawshank on the podcast. Oh man, such you know, which might be one of the few perfect movies ever made. Man, I I don't disagree with you. I mean, set, I mean, again, cast of characters, but everything was just so incredibly well done. Yeah. Everybody played their part to absolute perfection. Um, and then the last one I will really want to talk about. We all need to talk about the childhood trauma of Artax dying in in the never ending story. Yeah. We were all traumatized. That's the correct answer. <laughs> <If> you, <laughs> that is that, that is the right answer. Oh, dude, if you I think we need we literally do need to talk about that as kids because we all think it's a kids movie and then fucking our tax dies you're well, like the whole movie is an allegory for childhood depression <laughs> you know well, okay yeah, yeah that's, that's how it was written and then yeah so like the swamp is supposed to represent depression and getting sucked down into it like the blackness uh, comes mm-hmm. and you're gonna travel through this swamp and yeah dude it's awful it's brutal <laughs> it's the most brutal thing i've ever seen dude and a you i mean just his 
level of of um, just God, like I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Of, anguish, of, <laughs> anguish, but like just um, like just we have to do this. We have to yeah. get like, come on, architects, come yeah. on. I mean, you, you, it just gets my pulse elevated. Just even right. thinking about it does. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I could feel something happening behind my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my eyes are sweating. It. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm uh, and, allergic. And to then when Bastion here. gets to ride Falcor oh, and God. gets his like, the, the joyous, the just, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's yeah, I mean, truly one of the weirdest, oddest movies to it come is. out of the '80s. But man, it, it, it doesn't leave a, an indelible impression on any adolescent watching that. Hundred percent. You know, it's not one of the movies I go back and revisit a lot, but it's no. one of the most important movies of my childhood, no doubt about yeah. it. And it is a fucking tearjerker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You brought that up. Correct answer. <laughs> I award you ten points. Uh, question the sixth. I love. This is probably my favorite question. Who is your favorite actor? What is their worst film? And when I say actor, that's gender non-specific. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I I've been I wrestle with this. It, to me, it's like trying to name your most favorite cocktail. Yeah. You know, like what day of the week is it? How? Yeah, what, exactly. What's my mood? Right. Um, but I feel like from a purely like generic role and everything that he's done, I think incredibly well. I would say it's one of two people. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. I mean, I feel like he just does everything so well. Yeah. I mean, from the beach to all the way to Shutter Island yep. to, you know, what's the plane movie? Oh, that, the Aviator. Yeah, the Aviator. Yeah, I mean, all of those. I think he, I mean, the Titanic. I mean, you know, probably, Which, by that the was way, probably his worst movie. That would be his, my worst. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know um, that the world doesn't agree with yeah. me. But, but I would I would agree. That's probably his worst movie in, in so. that, you know. But I think the, the other one that I would probably go to would be Brad Pitt. I mean, I love him yeah. or hate him. But I mean, you talk about some of the most iconic movies from, um, La, no, no, La, 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 but um, Snatch to oh, yeah. Fight Club to Ocean's Eleven. Um, I mean, all of those movies, and they're probably, you I think, know. I think his first film appearance, we're going to talk about Brad Pitt. Okay. I don't think we've had a good conversation about Brad Pitt on here. Um, I think his first film role was Thelma and Louise. Oh, shit. Yeah. When he's the cowboy. Uh-huh. And, and, like, he's on screen for, like, fucking three minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? He's a tiny part of that movie. Sure. But that's, like, you're kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Because he's like shirtless on the bed dancing for her or whatever. And you're yeah. like, that's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, but then he started taking on like some cool little smaller roles. I don't know if you remember his role in True Romance when he no. plays the stoner Floyd. Huh. Yeah, he's um, Michael Rappaport's roommate out in California when they go to visit him. And Floyd just sits. It's the most convincing stoner role I think I've ever fucking seen. It's so good. <laughs> he had to be baked out of his head sure. the whole time. And um, yeah, he's had somebody. Well, I'm tr- I think I know what his worst one is, but I want to hear it from you. Oh, man. I like Bullet Train. It was kind of a guilty pleasure watching it's it. A guilty you know, pleasure, yeah. um, there's not a ton of content in there, but it was you know as good as another one of his good right. roles. But yeah, I'm trying to really think of like what his worst movie was. Well, um, I'll throw something out. Sure, he does not do well with accents, mm. and there was a moment in time for some reason they were casting him in movies. Like um, seven years in Tibet and stuff like Inglorious that. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Well, although they played that for a joke. Uh, oh, yeah, right, right, right. You know right, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. I, I was okay with that. Snatch, they played it for a joke. Yeah. Because I think it became apparent after <laughs> this movie, which should have been great. Um, the Devil's Own with oh. Harrison Ford, where he plays like this ex IRA guy with the worst <laughs> Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he makes Tom Cruise in Far and Away look like Patty oh, Considine. I mean, it's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> it is the worst. I mean, all he does is just like, oi, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, oh, God. Just, just Irish, you know, slogans. Oh, and, and Just and, lucky you know, charms, just, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think God. it's called The Devil's Own. Okay. Yeah, and it's a like cop thriller thing with uh, Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. Should have been amazing. Sure. I would put that out as probably his worst film. Okay. I bet he's done worse stuff, though. 
Yeah. Ocean's I mean, 12 was pretty fucking bad. Ocean's 12 was not great. Ocean's 11, you set such a hallmark yeah. as the standard And then 13 for, came back, and yep. it was really good. Yep, agreed. But Ocean's 12, not wow, great. what yep. was that about? Yeah. Yeah, I don't one know. One job. If you think of one along the way. Yeah. Because, yeah, boy, he's just awesome, though. He's typically just, he's just such a pure American actor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He embodies, like, what we want from our movie stars. Yeah. You know, he's like a Paul Newman or a Glenn Ford or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's that kind yeah. of guy to me. Yeah, agreed. I love that. Uh, I hate to do this. I don't write these questions. <laughs> Wait a minute. Dave Woodruff, question the seventh. What film do you find to be the sexiest? Oh, man. It's a, this is a, a really tough one, and I don't know if I have a an answer. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's... I was always, when I watched movies, it was usually with my parents as a kid. Right. And so I always felt really uncomfortable oh, when yeah. it got to be like passionate. I'm oh, like, yeah. I have to leave. I got to go. Right. You know? What are um, we watching? Body Heat. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always felt like really uncomfortable. And so even now, when I see. A, right. a, a scene, I'm just like, oh, I feel uncomfortable because I, I just. I'm taken back to, um, yeah, I, I don't know. So I listened to a conversation yesterday, which I thought was interesting, and I haven't thought about it. Um, I think it was Mark Marin and Patton Oswald were talking about sexy movies and what that used to be. There used to be sexy movies. Sure. Like in the 80s, there was just gratuitous boobs everywhere. Right. Then they would make movies like um, Nine and a Half Weeks and Body Heat and all the they were like basic instinct like overtly instinct, sexualized yeah. they don't make those movies anymore yeah maybe they're on like television like streaming stuff you know like Euphoria or, or sure. some of that stuff but I, it's really weird that like, our movies have become really desexualized in a weird way well I, and I wonder if that possibly I, I'm not saying you know definitively but I wonder if part of that was maybe the Me Too movement and how whenever you're doing those scenes as yeah. an actor actress like at, you're being super intimate with somebody yeah you well know? that's funny you say intimate they created a whole new job in Hollywood called intimacy consultants mm. so they're very very careful which I'm glad for sure I mean but they because they want to make sure that everybody on set is highly comfortable right you know what I mean so they bring in if you have a sex scene coming up they're like okay we're going to talk about how we're going to cover up your nipples are you more comfortable with pasties are you more you know what I mean sure do you want to wear something over your inguinal area (laughs) (laughs) wait what did you just call it inguinal (laughs) your groin yeah Um, (laughs) I was a big AP A&P guy fair enough but um yeah so I I just strange to me because I grew up with even like the comedies you know 16 candles you know like porkies porkies (laughs) by the way why isn't that your answer that's that's the sexiest movie (laughs) that was also a lot of I mean you we actually, you know, when my wife and I watch movies, uh, like we watched, um, uh, oh, Michael J. Fox, um, Back to the Future, Back to the Future with the yeah. kids, and when Biff goes in and sexually assaults, yeah, we had to stop the movie and talk to our kids, like explain it to them, yeah. This is not okay. Yep. This is not consensual. This is sexual assault, and we had to like back when we were kids. We just thought that was like, oh, all right, no. next. Every you know? other movie we watched had some sort of sexual assault, if not oh, just all out rape. Totally. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. And and now when I watch these movies again that have such nostalgic value up here in the bank, I watch them again. I'm like, oh fuck, they, you know, like Days of Thunder. You know, oh, any yeah, any yeah. number of those, you're you're just like, oh god. <laughs> You can't do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it was really mean-spirited, too, and we thought mm-hmm. it was funny as hell. Oh, totally. You know? You know? Um, Sixteen Candles growing up was one of my favorite movies. I, I used to watch it on repeat. It, it's unwatchable now, man. Oh, sure. Between the casual racism. <laughs> casual? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> all right. It's pretty overt. Yeah. Racism. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for the actor that played that role. Man. Oh, absolutely. When they're like, more Chinese. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they literally, that had to be the direction. Sure. Just make it bigger. More Chinese. Can you make it more Chinese? 
Um, and then like they the girl's drunk, so he just gives her to his buddy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. It's just like you're like, God damn. And even I, American Pie, which was a much more oh, recent movie, sure, but still highly inappropriate. Super. <laughs> and I guess for for me as a parent now, you have those teachable moments of watching yeah. them. Like, okay, we got to take a time out here and we got to talk about this. You know. Sure. When we talk about you know our tax and you know <laughs> what what it means and what what, yeah, it, right. what you know nobody was there to be like hey you know like how you feel about that you know yeah. <laughs> you know but um, but now it, I guess the the other side of the coin or the silver lining to watching Back to the Future with my kids like all right this is not okay this is why it's yeah, not okay it's a great moment you know to be able to so. Um, so yeah, I guess there's, there, there is that aspect of it, but, um, but yeah, and, and I feel like you're, I think you're right. There's not really a ton of sexy movies because I think we've, it's, different. We've, it's yeah, we've, we've evolved past this, like whatever, get in there and pretend like you're making love and, right. you know, be okay with it to now where we have an intimacy consultant sure. come in and being like, all right, how's everybody feeling about right. this? You know, and making sure that everybody feels good about it. Cause how do you, how do you do how do you divine the line yeah. of sexual assault in a scene when you're acting the role or being right. the part? It's all going to be context and how you're trying, what you're trying to get across. I yeah. guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Television might be the last bastion of like sexiness in in film and cinema. You know what I mean? Sure. Like nineteen twenty three. I don't know if you've been watching that huh. with Harrison Ford. And I, I, I heard it's great. Yeah, there's a character in it named Spencer that's like the sexiest character I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm straight as an arrow, and I'm like, I want to marry. You. I want to spend the rest of my uh, life with this guy. Will you hold me in your arms. <laughs> yeah, just gently. <laughs> Tell me everything's gonna be okay, Spencer. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so I'm just gonna say Porky's. Fuck it. Yes. <laughs> Oh. See how God likes that. This one's even worse. Question oh. the eighth. What movie do you find to be uncomfortably sexy? It turns you on, but you're not sure that it should have. Um, and we talked a little bit about this beforehand, but um, I don't know if you remember The Explorers back, I think it was 85 or 86. And it's about these these kids, River Phoenix and... River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah. And so these three kids and whoever else the third the the, uh, yeah, the, the the whoever that kid was yeah 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 the the third wheel um he's in prison yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> um you know they they travel around in the tilt a world to yeah, all these distant worlds and there was yeah it, it's such a bizarre but that's the 80s right remember the navigator yeah. oh what yeah a, right you know like same thing time travel mm. or space travel kids and yep. that whole thing um, Navigator also another amazing movie. Yep. Um, but the explorers, you know, this they go out and then there's this weird, quote unquote, sexy alien. I mean, <laughs> I mean look at it. And I'm just like, I remember being a kid and adolescent, like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, like, well, why? Why is there some sort of like strange allure to this? nebulous alien yep. character had boobs had big boobs that's had what lips. it comes down to yeah <laughs> the thing had boobs yeah <laughs> may had four of them but they were boobs you know <laughs> i think that's a great because <laughs> yeah. yeah that was when you're a kid especially i think that's where a lot of the answers to this kind of question come from is like what in childhood made you like oh oh yeah and sometimes it's not the thing you expect yeah <laughs> That just explains a lot in yeah. my adult life. Um, I've had a lot of girls tell me that um, the little fox Robin Hood in the Disney animated Robin Hood movie, yeah. they're like, oh, that that is the hottest character. He is so hot. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. What? But then I went back and looked at it. I'm like, oh, you know, that little fox is actually kind of hot. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like the animated? Dashing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, and then Marion made Marion's a little fox, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's all super hot. And I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. <laughs> Um, Simba and his girl in Lion King. Oh. That's like a sexy scene. Mm. You know, when they All finally... purring on each other. Get it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be uh, uncomfortably sexy. Uncomfortably yeah. sexy. <laughs> hey, guys, real quick, before we move on to the last three questions, you guys can reach out to the Whiskey Reel and Judgment Day at 970-426-5344. WhiskeyReel at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, 
leave some feedback, reach out, leave a text message, send an email, a voicemail. We love voicemails. Uh, Dave, is there anything that you want to throw up there as a website? Any? Uh... Yeah, so if you, if you want to go and check out um, my platform, um, campaign information, that sort of thing, uh, you can go to www.DaveWoodruff4Durango, and it's the number four. Um, and if you are so inclined, you're more than welcome to donate to the campaign. Um, definitely trying to put forth some last-ditch efforts to get my uh, name and face out there, so every little bit helps. Uh, that's great. Question of the ninth, Dave Woodruff. We're almost to the finish line, sir. All right. What film makes you laugh the most? You're a funny guy. Doesn't have to be the greatest comedy of all time. Sure. Just something that makes you laugh your ass off. I, I think it's, for me, there, I've got two. The first one is... Um, Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. I mean, it's one of the most iconic, like slapstick. You Never know. come up here before. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Grizzle, we're going to fit a tree that big. Yep. Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> There's no way. It's no way to talk to me. I wasn't talking to you. Actually, the only, it's never come up as this question. I had one guy actually say that it was like the most overrated movie he did. Oh, shame on him. What's his name? Denny Wetmore. <laughs> <laughs> you know him well. You know him from, I used to bring him into the bar all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to me, like, Again, you get, I mean, everything, you know, like there's so many great one liners, you know, it's hilarious, you know, a microwave goes off and I black out and <laughs> piss my pants, you know, government plastic, forget my name for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can you not love that movie? It's, I, it's, it's so, so funny. Agreed. It's not as inappropriate as the lot of the movies in that time. Sure. It has a couple of moments, but it's such a well-meaning like sure good-natured movie that's oh, what i mean it, yeah. it's just a happy movie and when he's on the ladder like you know go oh, around trying to grab and figure out where he's gonna go comedy is so funny yeah yeah um i actually listened to him on david spade and um uh who wayne's world who's um oh uh uh, uh Gar- Mike Myers? uh who, who, what's the other one Mike Myers and, and, and um, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. So yeah. Dana Carvey and, and David Spade. Oh, uh, Spade. Do, really? Yeah, they do a podcast. I didn't know they did a podcast. Together. Yeah. So they, they did like a, a five-hour Chris Farley one um, to oh, celebrate wow. Chris Farley. I, I listened to it when I, I drove back home to yeah. Kansas back in... Uh, back in December, and um, I left at two o'clock in the morning, so I just popped on the podcast. Anyways, Chevy Chase they had on there, and yeah. he's still as inappropriate and funny as ever, right. even even on that. So, to me, like his style of comedy, and he, for my whole family, he looks and acts like my father. Oh wow! You know, like it's it's kind of uncanny when when he's acting out some of those roles i mean i see my father yeah. in, in a lot of what he did and and that style of comedy but for me like laughing every time i watch it it's national lampoon's christmas vacation that's a perfect answer yeah yeah that's probably the right answer <laughs> <laughs> question the tip dave woodruff what film can you watch repeatedly so i was this is going to be my last question answer um but for me it's for something I'm a space nerd and especially the 80s um, and early 90s and in, in cinema were transformative for me in applying some of those space themes to my life you know when you think of all the different space movies especially kid themed space movies there's there's a there's a lot that that goes into it but to me and I don't know if you love it or hate it but the one I can watch just all the time is the last starfighter Oh, no names, no major names in that movie. Yep. But man, I can watch that. I think the star's name is Lance Guest. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, Lance Guest. Um, And there was the brunette girl that was in a lot of those movies, but I never knew her name. It's Catherine something. I think you're right. But um, love that movie. It's so good. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that. the the turtle looking dude. Yeah, um, I I talked about this movie on a podcast I did a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? And it was um, I think the question was a movie that I would like to see remade. Oh, sure, sure. But the only reason I was just like it felt too short. And it felt too. It was such a great idea, mm-hmm. and it was executed so well. But I wanted like I wanted like two more hours of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, you I know. wanted to know the backstory of the Code Anamata. The Code Anamata, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> yeah. knowing, you know, 
one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie was when the the two bad guys are talking to each other like oh what do we do now and he goes then oh yeah he goes over his eyes he goes now we die <laughs> dude such a good movie and, and i mean even the the cgi in that was kind of revolutionary for it its was. time you know it was it was very um emblematic of what video games were I mean, yeah because it wasn't like matte painting it was more yeah it was more computer generated yeah because i think star wars was a lot of like matte painted mm-hmm. stuff and all that yeah totally it was a different style yeah i so mean it looked like its own movie yeah yeah, it's a great answer. <laughs> I get watched that movie. I've seen that movie a thousand times. Oh, and I, I, again, I got it on DVD, and, and I'll put it on and yep. you know watch it with the kids. Oh, and, dude, the scene when he pulls the sheet back and the and he's all like turning yeah, into oh, him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so nasty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that always grows. Or when his little brother Lewis is yeah, is Lewis. watching or getting get Playboys. You yeah. know, we all were had those you know Playboys under our pillow as a kid. And you know, all got but, them from our big brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, so good. I think that's a fantastic answer. Question the 11th. What film means the most to you, not because it's a good film, but just because of a memory you've associated to it? This one, I had a really tough time trying to nail down. And, and so I feel like I'm, I'm big into nostalgia and feeling something where I'm at. Um, so a lot of the 80s movies for me, you know, are just... Um, they kind of fill in some of those those areas, um, and so I don't. We, we talked a lot about eighties cinema yeah. and today. Um, did I say cinema? Cinema. Uh, sim, uh, I think Semina. I said cinema. Yeah, you flipped it. <laughs> yeah. All right, it yeah, happens. Um, so I feel like in the eighties there was um, there was to me like so many feel good movies. I mean, I mean everything from Gremlins to. Um, Back to the Future, to The Last Starfighter. I mean, there's so many great, so many. iconic movies of the Princess 80s. Bride. Princess Bride. Oh, God. Yeah. You know? And then know. even the, the drama ones, like 16 Candles, or the, you know, you talk about the Brat Pack and all the oh, Breakfast yeah. Club and, yeah. and so many movies that, that they did. I mean, there was just so many great movies that I think to me, like, that's that genre and that okay. era of movies yeah. mean the most to me because, sure. I mean, those were some of my formative years, and and sometimes those were the people that I associated with. You know, didn't have a large friend group growing yep. up, and so I retreated back to yeah. those relationships. Then people that I found coming out, like the the underdog or the guy who was always picked on, and all of a sudden he became the yep. hero or he caught the winning football or whatever the case may be. Yep. Those feel good stories, Lucas. Yes, um, all those movies. Oh God, you remember um, Daryl? You know, Daryl. Um, oh wait, wait, was he like the robot kid, like the android? Yeah, he, he was the, the fighter pilot. Yeah, in the, uh, war games. I mean, oh wow, you, you yeah. Know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, that was a whole genre, mm-hmm. like the kind of like spy thriller, yep. computer thing that was going totally, on. They're yeah. using the dot matrix, you yeah. know, not, not dot matrix, <laughs> oh, but they're using like yeah, the, it was the yeah. pretty rough, yeah. just all green screen, yeah, all green screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, those movies mean the most to me because again, they they filled that void, um, and with intention, I think weird science. Yeah, a couple of fucking nerds who are you know making big boob girls and and biker gangs and fighting the bad yeah. guys and partying and hanging out. I mean, all of those movies. Great movie. All, yeah, I mean, Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. I, was in that. Yeah, movie. dude, that was an all star cast. Yeah, I'm just gonna say Anthony weird Michael Hall. Was, I'm gonna say Weird Science. Weird Science. Got to yeah. like that one. Yeah. That's a that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. There's only one scene in that because I, now I watch movies through a different lens. Because I'm like, how fucked up were these movies I grew up with? Sure. And uh, there's only one scene in Weird Science where I was kind of like, ooh, and it's where he's, Anthony, and it's actually hilarious. <laughs> where Anthony Michael Hall, they're in the blues bar, uh-huh. and he starts talking like the old black man. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> and then I was the like, cringe. Oh, oh the cringe. <laughs> Back oh. then, I was just, that was the funniest shit ever oh. but now and it kind of was funny but like now I watch it I'm just like oh no don't do that, yeah, that no, no, no 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 fast forward fast forward, <laughs> <Yeah>. fast forward. <laughs> skip uh. <laughs> alright last question Dave Woodruff question the 12th should you be deemed worthy to ascend you're allowed to bring a movie with you because 
every night is movie night in heaven. What film would you take to show the rest of the Chosens? Chosens? <laughs> Chosen. It's it's like cinema. Yeah, it's cinema. <laughs> cinema. <laughs> um, you know, I again, I, I I feel like to me this is another what you know it's the same as what we wanted to watch repeatedly it's the last starfighter i mean for me like again it's an icon within the category it's something that i have attachment to from a a mental but also like from the heart you know um you know we all grew up in the the golden age of video games you know like when you could go to the arcade and still pay only a quarter and play you play for hours with five bucks um and so you know, the premise was a video game, but then he, again, you had this no name guy living in a flipping trailer park. Again, I grew up in a trailer. Yeah. Um, so you had this guy coming out of left field and all of a sudden he's the savior of all of earth, you know, and he's yep. working in camaraderie, you know, we talk about social anxiety, relationships, personal dichotomy, coming of age, application of self, resiliency, and perseverance. Wow. All of those come out of this movie when you when you start watching it as an adult and looking at like uh-huh. he's fighting the Codan Armada. There's yeah. not a definition of perseverance and resiliency to when you're going one ship awesome. against so many. Like, what does it mean to just look look the devil in the eye and be like, yeah. all right, I'm probably gonna lose, but I'm going to take a finger with me. You know what I mean? Well, buddy, I'm going to tell you that's the answer to put you over the top. <laughs> we don't have that movie in heaven yet, and they are going to be glad to have you because you have been chosen and found worthy. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> uh, hey, man, thank you so much for coming in. This yeah. is so much fun. Plus, I just don't get to spend that much time with you anymore, and it's really great to see you. Um, I think Durango, Colorado, after we elect your ass, is going to be- <laughs> Be very happy that we have you speaking for us and advocating for all of us. Totally. And, well, and we're—I'm excited for you, bud. Thank I, you. I've known this was going to happen for years because I just knew it was a matter of time. Sure. You know, well, you're, you're that kind of man. Thank you. Well, I'm excited for all of us. I hope I can live up to the 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 stake of of, yeah. of what's at stake. You know, and right. I'm hoping I can you know do my best and again create a legacy that we're all proud of so absolutely uh throw out that website one more time yeah dave woodruff for durango uh, d-a-v-e w-o-o-d-r-u-f-f the number four durango.com uh, excellent yeah throw some money his way yeah we need to thank get you. dave in office <laughs> yes <laughs> buddy thank you so much and uh have a good death all right <laughs>